Broadcasting live from a small kiddie pool in a bowling bunker, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I'm Garrett Strother. We're back. We had a little break there. I, 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 it's been a while, Seamus. Yeah, it feels like forever. I, I was telling you before, I feel at home pretzeled up in this small, tiny little closet. The Puerto Rican mountain ranges were just too beautiful and open. The, the air was too fresh. <laughs> well, we actually really don't have as much news as you'd expect after the, the hiatus that we've taken, but I think we should jump into it all the same. First up, the passing of a legend. Richard Donner has left us uh, during our hiatus, and definitely a filmmaker that is one of the most versatile, I think, filmmakers in Hollywood. The legacy of just insanely popular, just long-lasting classics that he has under his belt is intimidating to say the least he he killed it out there in the in the film industry when he was like in my personal life just between like the goonies and the lethal weapon series at least the goonies was like a formative moment in my personal life of knowing that movies were going to be more important to me than maybe you know they are to other people the first two superman movies i would say are definitely what he is most known for and certainly left the biggest cultural impact of any of his work although i mean without lethal weapon we probably wouldn't have die hard so that's true that's very forget. true he did usher in a different kind of 80s action blockbuster uh scrooged is a film <laughs> oh, i yeah. honestly forget he did i think there's a running theme with donner's work which is they're not all winners for sure and i think most people do not like all of them but most people can find a film of his that they really like. Absolutely, that's a great way to put it. I mean... Also, Richard Donner directed one of the best episodes of The Twilight Zone, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. He directed that one? Yep. No kidding. Yeah, that is like legitimately like top three most famous Twilight Zone episodes of all time. It's the first one I ever saw, actually. It was probably one of the first ones I ever saw, too. I would I would go to the library and get those VHS tapes, and they only had so many, and they had, like, the, you know, the hits, and that was definitely, like, often gone. But yeah, coming up next for news, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which is Transformers, I want to say, 7? 8, Hold if on. you count Bumblebee, maybe? I don't know. I, I think it's 7 if you count Bumblebee. Okay, because the, I... How many Mark Wahlberg ones are there? There's two Mark Wahlberg ones. I don't think he ever got a third one. Okay. The one that's in Chicago, that's three, right? Yeah, that one's pretty good. And then the next one's the Mark Wahlberg one. The first yes. Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Cool. Shia only got the trilogy, and then <laughs> and then Mark Wahlberg only got two of them. But, you know, I heard the exhaustion in your voice when you were reading. You were like, Transformers, Rise of the Beast. Here we go again. Uh, apparently, it's going to be in the 80s, I think. And it's um the guy from In the Heights, right? Yeah, Anthony Ramos. It's going to be weird. I kind of am a little bit of a Transformers apologist, even though the Mark Wahlberg ones are bad. I still like them. 
like for <laughs> whatever that reason. Our next marathon, Seamus. Is oh yes, honestly, yes, it is, Garrett. And you've just done that to yourself. I'll enjoy the Shia ones all day, even the really bad second one. You know, but the second one is really bad. It's so bad. But the third one, I think, is I like it maybe just because they just massacre Chicago, and I think that's interesting <laughs> just, to see. Oh man, I remember when they were shooting downtown, and you would just go. Yeah. you couldn't go anywhere downtown because Transformers were shooting. <laughs> Optimus Prime was shutting down the streets. I saw that one in the theater, and that's the last Transformers I saw. And You're lucky. Did not care for it then. Did not have any interest in seeing others. Have not seen. I do want to see Bumblebee, actually. That's not I, true. Me too. I want to see that one. I've heard it's like pretty decent. Because it's the 70s, right? It's like a period piece to the 70s. I, th- I think it's the 70s or the 80s, yeah. And I, I think definitely the choice to make this new one in the 80s is building off of the actual, you know, positive reception that Bumblebee got. What a mess of a franchise. We just watched all thousand Fast and the Furious movies, Seamus, so I don't think... <laughs> That's true. I don't think we're above anything anymore. What if they cross over, though? They're both about cars. Transformers really is about family, if we're getting down to it. Honestly? That would be great. Dom driving Optimus Prime? That would be just like shooting a shotgun out of Optimus Prime's window. Like, that would be awesome. Who would have the deeper, gravelier family, though? That's the... Family. The all-spark family. Speaking of Fast and the Furious, though... This really is the Fast and the Furious podcast, Seamus. We're we're Um, infected, Garrett. We're infected. Charlize Theron, known exclusively for her roles in the last two Fast and Furious films... (laughs) Is getting her own spinoff, her character Cypher is getting her own spinoff, uh, presumably titled Fast and Furiosa. Seamus, your thoughts? Oh god, might as well, screw it, I don't care anymore, just give it to me, I'll watch it, I'll have to watch it now. I mean, Charlize Theron is great, not in these movies, and that's not her fault. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, Cypher is just kind of a boring bad guy to me, you know? I'm gonna move us away. I'm going to I'm going to pull <laughs> off you. the band-aid and talk about some casting that we're going to be excited about, I think, for Knives Out 2 joining the cast, Samara Weaving and Ethan Hawke and Seamus, I am livid. I'm livid because I truly almost put Samara Weaving as my podcasting cast <laughs> Dude, you would have had it. You would have had the golden trophy could have been either of them and it's both now so it's almost like you did win i mean tomorrow weaving was um ready or not right ready or not yeah which yeah i think that's part of the reason i was like i don't want to put her down because she was in ready or not which is a movie i associate with knives out because they came out around the same time and they have very similar themes and i was gonna say like it, it must have been from that she i Oh, I still really want to see that. I haven't yet, but I've heard nothing but really good things. And, I mean, Ethan Hawke, I just like Ethan Hawke in general. I mean, for whatever reason, every time there's new casting, I immediately go... My mind is like, oh, they would make a good murderer. Oh, they would make a good murderer. And for, for whatever reason, I just I don't trust anybody. Do we still not know what Knives Out 2 is like, about, really? No. I know it started shooting. I saw Benoit Blanc in some, in some very nice pantaloons and an ascot. Ooh. Oh, an ascot. I love it. Oh, he is the best. I seriously can't wait for this movie. I'm really excited. And maybe, fingers crossed, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's still coming down the pipeline, hopefully. Maybe. It's anybody's game, really. Last bit of movie news we've got coming up, though, is the Encanto trailer, which I 
thought looked much less impressive than the teaser trailer. Yeah, it looks it very much looks exactly like anything that I would expect Disney to come out with right now. I mean, it's it's very bright and colorful and it's about a different culture and there's magic everywhere. I like the house. The house is nice. The shape-shifting stuff is looks very fun. See, that's what I was really excited about and I feel like that's getting like mega downplayed. I thought the house was going to be more like a source of the magic based on the teaser yeah, trailer. Yeah, right. Me too. And that is not at all what it seems to be. It's like the Adams family. Like they just live in yeah. a zany house because they are zany. That's the disconnect that I'm feeling. I think I also I know it's a tried and true whatever, but there's being in the trailer at least so on the nose about like, oh, you're the not special member <laughs> yeah. of the family. It, I feel like so much of it is very Coco influenced, which is a shame, I think, because it is, you know, a Latin American Disney computer animated film. So it's going to garner those comparisons already. Yeah. And so content wise and tone wise, it's going to be very different from Coco. But the fact that they already have this, like, you're the you're the outcast of the large of the large family, but they're going to figure out that they. They are good at stuff. It's just not the stuff their family's good at. Oh yeah, I like the comments of this trailer are basically people typing out every plot point of the movie that is going to be spot on. I mean, it's, it's just... either going to be she gets magical powers, she had them all along, and she just needed to believe in herself, or she'll never get them. But the family realizes that she's still magical for love. I mean, it still looked absolutely beautiful, just like the big wide shots of all the magical, colorful flowers in this house. I'm sure it's still gonna, you know, that's not even a question, but... I'm jazzed about all of that. I just wish that the plot didn't seem so <laughs> transparent. Uh, hopefully, you know, hey, it might just be our own expectations of what Disney can offer here, and maybe they'll really blow us out of the water. Who knows? Talking about subverting expectations and disappointing fans, Um... <laughs> The Nintendo Switch has announced its newest upgrade, which is an OLED screen that is slightly bigger at 7 inches, and people are mad for some reason. I mean, I think having played a Nintendo Switch a little bit in handheld mode, an OLED screen and having it be slightly bigger are definitely going to be improvements. People are mad that it's not 4K or 60 frames per second. People are mad that um, the display screen isn't going to be full HD 1080p. I think that people don't understand what Nintendo is about. Nintendo has never been about the hottest specs or the highest resolution. It's about what you can do with the creativity of the console they've created. And yeah, so exactly. People are expecting like PS5 level upgrades around here. But like you said, their whole thing is like the most amount of fun that you can get out of something and not necessarily how good it will look to the person. Nintendo is all about, you know, being an accessible game console. And to be fair, the Switch is the same price as the cheapest Xbox, but it's the same price as the cheapest Xbox, you know? Yeah. And they always are trying to keep it family-friendly in terms of price point, and so having those upgrades, one, is it in line with how they've ever done business, and two, not working towards that goal? Plus, like, does Mario need to be 4K 60 frames a second to be fun? Yeah, exactly. You don't need to see every pore on Mario's big nose. That's not... That's, <laughs> it's not their <laughs> game. Cursed, I, I think... ultra-realistic <laughs> Mario. Oh, God, they're gonna do it. 
one uh, upgrade on this new Switch, though, that... Because I watched that reveal trailer with Kara's cousin, who has a Switch and is a big gamer, and he was just he was just happy that they included an Ethernet port this time for this new one, for the, yes. the dock, which, I mean, that in and of itself is a pretty solid upgrade, and it's more of just functionality and connectivity and... Though a lot of people are really dunking on the new OLED Switch for being like 10 years behind the PS Vita for a lot of the stuff they're bragging about. It's it's going to be really, I think it's going to be really nice. I am not one of the angry people, I guess. It seems like it's a still a pretty solid upgrade if Nintendo isn't going to be like launching into a new console entirely anytime soon. Hey man. That Ethernet port means that Fortnite's gonna run even more okay on the <laughs> Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Last up, Red Taylor's version, the second Taylor's version re-record album, has its release date of November 19th. Last time, for Fearless, we had my sister Claire on, who knows a lot more about Taylor Swift than we do, and... I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have her on again. I don't know. Our schedule for November is still up in the air. Of course, you know things are shifting. The landscape is shifting so much. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm definitely excited for this one. I don't think there's much more to say about it. Unless, what what do you got, Seamus? Red Taylor's no, man. version. I'm. You know, I you started me on this Taylor's version journey, and I'm I'm gonna be interested to see. I'm gonna listen to the whole thing on on the 19th for sure. I'm I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Somebody who isn't still very familiar with her discography, I'm kind of getting this weird opportunity to experience her kind of flow of how she is finding her style and how her songs are evolving and changing. But I get it in a more ethical and interestingly recorded way. So I'm I'm excited. That was very nice, Seamus. I love that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for us to move on to our main segment, uh, the Great Loki Recap of 2021. We're going to do half the series in one go right now. Yeah, Loki Doki Extreme over here. We should tackle them as much as we can, episode by episode probably, just so that if somebody is doing a nice like watch along with us in, in the future, or even now, that they can segment they're watching with us that it would be easy to miss a lot of stuff if we were just jumping around all three episodes because it's for as short as this series is it's a huge series like when you get into the density of these episodes the last episode we talked about episode two feels so far from what we're going to talk about (laughs) today oh my god yeah so yeah let's let's start off with episode three last time we talked we were discussing how Loki going through that portal, did the Lady Loki leave it? Oh, spoilers, by the way, just straight up spoilers oh, yeah, for episode gosh. three, yeah. mark it right off. Um, Did Lady Loki leave the portal open for him? Are we going to have a big chat fest this episode? The answer to the first question is no. The answer to the second question is kind of, but less than I was expecting. They go to the TVA, Lady Loki, who we're just going to say her name is Sylvie, because that's... That's her name. She's going to kill the timekeeper. She makes it to the elevator. Loki follows her. They get to the elevator. Gugu and Batha Ra is there. They have a kind of lame fight, and then they tempad out of there. But that's how they end up getting to... Lamentis. This episode is definitely a, a big old exposition episode for 
getting to know Sylvie better and kind of their journey to try to escape this planet that is going to be completely destroyed by a crashing moon. We get to see a lot more of how Sylvie's enchantments work, which I think is very interesting. Because that's, you know, obviously a power that the Loki that we know has no idea about. The train sequence, I think, is a pretty fun one. They have their whole moment where they they talk about the love and their lives and, and Loki's bisexual. I like that coy, like a little bit of both. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly what I would expect. Yeah. Then they do some do some punching and get thrown out of the train. Well, I mean, not before we get a beautiful, weird um, song, like drunken song and dance for Asgardian Loki song and dance. I thought that was very fun. He does the, you know, breaks a cup, screams another. I, I thought that was a nice callback. I like that this series is really embracing Loki as an Asgardian in a way that I do not think the movies other than Thor 1 really do. Yeah, I mean, because they kind of also go in on, like, he is specifically adopted, and they call him, they don't call him Odinson, they call him Laufison, and yep. they, you know, him getting into a little bit of his personal background with Sylvie and, like, how their stuff differs, and, yeah, it, it's it's very, it's lovely. I mean, Loki's been kind of a fan favorite for kind of forever, but... For me, I think this is just making him even more likable and interesting. Certainly, yeah. I think the expansion on this character is a good one because it doesn't feel untrue in any way to his characterization in movies like The Dark World um, or Ragnarok. But I think it's more connected to his roots and to the kind of contradiction that lives at the heart of that character that really hasn't come to light since Thor 1. And I know Thor 1's not like the best movie ever, but there were some elements of Loki that got lost along the way. Yeah, and I think we kind of alluded to a little bit of this, you know, the last Loki segment of the first one, about how like we do kind of get like a fresh Loki since he is from 2012, the, just like just after the attack on New York, there's so little of that characterization and development that we know and love already that it's just it's incredibly interesting the way they're redeveloping him into something even completely different from like how he ends with Thanos in Endgame and they definitely get get their cake and eat it too I'd say because they do get to kind of do like oh he kind of does have that character development because he watched the TV he went to to his his local TVA theater and he watched the MCU marathon (laughs) yeah Somehow I blocked it out of my head that this was only going to be a six-episode series, so I'm incredibly sad that we're already starting to wrap up on the back end. I liked the third episode less than I liked the first two, because it did feel, on the one hand, we were getting some interesting character development from Sylvie, but a lot of it felt much more like Marvel-y, like, oh, we got the action bits now. Yeah. In a way that I didn't, like... That's going to be a recurring theme, I think, with the next couple episodes we're going to talk about, too. I miss the TVA. The TVA aesthetically is so enjoyable to be in. And I miss Casey. Casey hasn't been in any more episodes, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I saw I saw a meme that was Vader after his transformation in episode three, and he goes, Where is Casey? Is he okay? <laughs> is he alright? <laughs> oh, that's very funny. 
this episode ends on a pretty wild cliffhanger, but not in a way, comparing it to the other Marvel shows, those Marvel shows, less so Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm more talking about WandaVision, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier was also plagued by this. They were structurally more like a, a bingeable streaming show, where each episode would just like slowly build to a climax, and then cut off before the falling action. It would cut off at the most shocking point they could muster. WandaVision was egregious about that. I think Falcon and the Soldier was less interested in doing things like that, but definitely was still structured that way. This series has not been at all, really, so far, but this episode does have a cliffhanger. I was just lamenting the uh, the Marvelification, the huge action set pieces that they're kind of bringing into the show. And... We definitely get one of those, but it is a pretty cool, impressive oneer. As oh yeah, when they're going through the streets, just ravaged. Yeah, and I mean this episode. Granted, they have a plan from pretty early on, and they're trying to execute this plan to get to the arc the whole time. And that last oneer, I was like, oh, they're gonna do, they're gonna fight through the streets, and they're gonna get there, and they'll enchant the guards, and they'll hop on, and they'll do some Loki stuff, and it'll be. It'll be Gucci, but, like, the way they did that, that, that subverted me a little bit. I thought it was going to be a little more of on the run, but they're kind of stopped in their tracks. There is nowhere to go after that That big ship. spaceship gets demolished. Yeah. yeah, that defeated look they both give after they just, like, totally bashed through, like, ten people each. It's, it's very, very well done. I was really not sure where that was going, and I'm excited to talk about episode four where we get it resolved. Yeah, do you want to you wanna shuffle on over? Yeah, I think uh, episode three, for me, stepped down from the first two, but still definitely an enjoyable watch. I think we also get a couple decent Mobius scenes in there, don't we? No, there's no Mobius in episode three. There's no Mobius? Is a that's, presence that's that is sorely crime. missed. But, I mean, episode four, let's talk. Yeah, let's get into it. We got them destroyed ship on Lamentus, and they have to... Spoilers for episode four, just... Yeah, sorry, jeez. <laughs> They're stranded, they have another sit-down talk about, like, their lives and how similar their feelings about other, like, relationships and all that, and, you know, I saw a couple, like, memes and posts on the internet before I got to sit down and watch this one, and I was like, well, they're not gonna... They're not going to put them together. They're the same person in a different universe. I feel like that would like cause some ripples in space-time, right? But I guess that's exactly what they were trying to do. How do you feel about that, Seamus? What is you do you, like, do you object? I, I thought I would when I was like seeing memes alluding to that like romance between Sylvie and our variant Loki and after like seeing how they write it and how they act together and really thinking about it logically of of course Loki would fall in love with a female version of himself from an alternate universe like that sounds exactly like what would happen with that character I have no problems with it anymore yeah I think that's kind of exactly where I was at of like at first I was like oh I'm not sure about that but <laughs> yeah it's a little weird <laughs> But thinking about it more, if you read it textually, if you read what the show is saying about variants, because a lot of people are like, they have the same genes, and I'm like, I don't necessarily know that they do. 
as we see in maybe, well, at the end credit scene of this episode, there's maybe more to dispute that kind of logic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I think what they're showing us is just that there is a Loki in every timeline. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the exact same Loki. Some of them are. Yeah. Sure, but, like, time, they're, they're showing that, like, time is infinite and variations uh, across timelines are also infinite in a lot of different ways. So, back a little bit, their kind of spark of feelings for each other as they're kind of facing their own death, that's the Nexus event that Mobius is able to latch onto back at the TVA yep. to come and get them. And I think they have great chemistry. The casting was really good. I genuinely feel their connection. I don't think that it's forced at all. Yeah, man, 100%. I think just, like, the acting is fantastic, and them, specifically in episode three and the beginning of four, where it is specifically just them, it's like, I don't know, you're right, they're so electric together, and that's probably a big reason of why I quickly lost my aversion to them being together as like being variants of each other i was just like oh they just like they love each other though they, they really feel <laughs> but when we get yeah. back to the tva we get some fascinating politics and honestly i think the moment where i was really really like oh this feels like a real tv show and mobius and loki weren't getting along and i was like genuinely uncomfortable this sounds like a terrible thing to say i usually don't feel anything when i watch a marvel thing <laughs> you know like I mean, there are exceptions, obviously, but like that I was invested in their relationship so much that I was genuinely sad and uncomfortable when they weren't getting along and when Mobius felt like Loki had betrayed him. Yeah, man, because it, it was like the way they were speaking in the first episode when he was interviewing him for the first time and showing him his, you know, life movie footage and it was like that, but genuinely upset on both parties and genuinely urgent instead of like the banter and the quippiness we know from even when they were at odds in those that first episode. Like we could kind of tell that they were kind of playing with each other no matter what. And this, it was just like felt like two friends that were being torn apart a little bit. It, it hurt. It hurt me. And in that exchange, in that hostile exchange, Seamus... Loki confirmed something that Sylvie told him in episode three, which is something that you nailed from a mile away, <laughs> that all of the people in the TVA are variants, that they were not created by the timekeepers. Yeah, man, I was I was pretty happy to get that confirmation, but I feel like, you know, it only makes sense. You were like, yeah, that's probably where it's going just because... That's great. I mean, you were skeptical the entire time that they were created by the timekeepers in general, but you, it's a great concept. It makes me think about like, what is slash who is Casey and where, <laughs> why was he plucked to come work at the TVA? That sweet, I mean, sweet boy. Seamus, infinite dimensions, sweet, well-meaning, but kind of, kind of <laughs> fumbling. I think he's pill boy. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> it's possible they threw him in a shirt and tie. Wiping his memory wouldn't make him any more smart, but it would still make him like a nice boy. <laughs> Into the Cordero-verse. Uh, we're talking about the relationship with Mobius right now. We get his weird Sisyphitic, Sif, Sifophitic. That's a oh. pun that I'm forcing. Um, no, I, I'll allow it. Where Lady Sif is time loop 
Dormammuing <laughs> Loki, just beating him up, which I guess is based on a real Norse myth where Loki does cut Sif's hair. Oh, really? That's mm-hmm. cool. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, she she's really pissed and... Like, she's being punched in the face and kneed in the crotch over and over, and the line that she says is, like, she ends it with, you'll always be alone, I mm-hmm. think is what finally breaks through Loki to, like, kind of break down in this time loop and find this weird bit of understanding with a memory that he has with himself. <laughs> Seeing Sylvie is, like, his proof of that he doesn't have to be alone, even if it's maybe technically being alone with himself? I... Hey, there's always Mobius, okay? Mobius is such a good man. He doesn't deserve anything. He comes to his realization when he's having his drink with Gugu and Bathara, who... Oh, also... Oh, yeah, she's doing shady stuff. She's lying about the lady that Sylvie got in the mind of. She knows about the variant stuff, and she's not doing anything about it. Which, I just realized her name is Renslayer. Which I think is just an interesting name, considering the fact that episode two literally starts with a bunch of people getting murdered at a Ren fair. Ooh, connections. Gugu Mbatha Ra is Mephesto. There we go. <laughs> I almost forgot. Yeah. She's playing mind games, bro. Maybe, maybe. But Mobius himself, he's, he's three steps ahead. He's getting Loki out of time prison. He's wanting his jet ski. <laughs> oh, he wants that jet ski so bad that... And honestly, his little monologue before he is pruned. Oh, sorry, took me getting emotional. Before oh, he's man. pruned, he is like, I just want to go back to wherever I'm from. Maybe I had a family. Maybe I had a whole life that I could have lived, if not for like why I was put here for a reason that I will never be told. And oh man, yeah, he gets he gets pruned right in the chest. When that happened, I was shocked. Truly, genuinely shocked. And I was really hoping that, I was like, I hope this show has the guts to just kill him right now. Like, because (laughs) I do not know the last time I would have been as emotionally affected by a character death as by Mobius just getting cracked. (laughs) The crackling yell that, like, saps out, that's rough, man. I was saddened and shocked, and honestly, some of the stuff, that we're going to get into in a little bit. It's got me some, he's got some theories going, but you know, we get uh, right almost not too long after that. Loki is able to get Sylvie in rocks cart in episode two. When Hunter B 15 gets enchanted by Sylvie, that's when she is able to like go into the memories of the person and alter them to get information. But that's just, it's proving to B 15 that she had memories to begin with that were outside of the TVA, and she helps her uh, break out of her prison cell there. A very nice little turn of events, I'd say, for this series. I like the humanization of B-15, and, you know, they're not treating them like stormtroopers. It's like, no, these are people with lives, and we're going to help them uncover that, and even if they're against us, we know that it's not their fault. And that's where we get, you know, Sylvie and Loki... Going to see the timekeepers at the mercy of Gugu and Bathara of of Renslayer. Yeah, man, they get into that cool looking chamber. Honestly, I really liked how the timekeepers looked. Like now that we get to see what they actually look like, that aren't distorted wood carvings and paintings and cartoons, and 
I mean, I thought they were pretty intimidating, if I'm being honest. Like, they were speaking some cryptic things, but the Lokis were not buying it. Well, there's a couple of visual references there. One, I think they look a ton like the like the Future Council from Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> the big collars and robes. Yeah, exactly. The three of them levitating, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think the the thing that definitely is a more intentional visual homage is with all the mist and everything. They look like the wizard from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So that is a little bit of of foreshadowing, I'd say, of what is to come in the next few moments. We get a pretty killer action scene. I throw in the killer in front of that fight piece because of Hunter B-15's entrance, though. I do like that. that. Yeah. For all for- time. Always. And she, you know, she gets she gets up in there because she is doing what she thinks is right and kind of finally taking that biggest step to literally start fighting Ren Slayer and the Timekeepers. Them timekeepers, Seamus. They're they're Chuck E. Cheese robots. Yeah, man. One of the big three androids. Definitely did not see that coming. If I'm being honest, man. Uh, you you definitely called that. You were like the timekeepers are totally BS. You know, I I thought almost the proof that the timekeepers had a lot of power was that they were plucking variants to be their TVA people. But now that just deepens the mystery of who is trying to hide behind that facade. You sniped it from, like, episode one, I think. Like, from the little cartoon of, like, the timekeepers are all powerful. And you were like, yeah, freaking right. <laughs> I was like, I was like the TVA people. I was like, yeah, of course they're all powerful. Yeah, yo, sure. You, just, you'll just believe anything just this give me the tells, truth. You, tells you, Seamus. I think that might be it. Even though... Miss Minutes was acting shady in the episode after this one, man. I'll, I don't, I don't like that. Miss Minutes, sus. I've seen theories that Miss Minutes is actually like the ruler of the TVA, and I didn't believe them. But you know, I don't know, man. It could be. She's just gonna be sitting in a big old throne. It's like y'all found me, huh? The slow clap, evil <laughs> monologue, but it's a jaunty little southern clock. The thing I didn't snipe, though, Seamus, is the fact that Loki gets pruned. And in yeah. that moment, I was like, oh, so pruning doesn't kill you. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I had a little idea of that a while ago, just because I feel like... I don't know why I had that thought, but I, it seemed a little too easy. And I, I granted, I also wanted to see Liz Lemon's lawyer or uh, agent again. Right? I still hope we will, because, I mean, like, why would they give him... So much attention, he could just—he could be out there, maybe. This episode was the first episode with an after credit scene, and after Sylvie threatens Renslayer with a pruning stick to tell her everything, we get the after credit scene of Loki, our variant Loki, waking up after being pruned. That gave me the hope for Owen Wilson, though, obviously. He got pruned, and then he wasn't in this after credit scene, but we know that he's out somewhere doing something. But we get this great tease of a few of things we saw in the trailer of, I think his name is Boastful Loki? Boastful Loki, yeah. Boastful Loki, Kid Loki, Classic Loki, and Alligator Loki all standing there in front of him, giving him the old come with me if you want to live. Pretty good. Great. Loved it. Yeah, great tease. Yeah, on on the one hand, I was pretty excited because... I was like, yes, Mobius is alive if if Loki survived the pruning. But on the other hand, I was like, 
I kind of liked that I felt bad. <laughs> like, no, I liked yeah. that it made me feel something. And I then, totally get it. I think we're ready to move on. Episode 4, definitely a transitional episode, but one where a lot happens. And I was engaged the whole time. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a lot of fun. You know, we get some answers this time around of like, you know, some confirmation of those great theories. And, and you know, next one coming up is definitely throwing a lot of my theories for a loop, but I, I really like the next one too. So let's get into it. Episode 5. Spoilers for episode 5 right off the bat, just saying it. Yeah, because, I mean, it starts the new variants of Loki. Love them. Especially classic Loki. I'm, I'm really digging for sure. Loki Gator is also another, he's up there for me. Good good man, that alligator. Okay, real quick, Seamus, because we gotta talk about him. We gotta talk about the Easter eggs in this episode, because it's all stuff from alternate timelines that got pruned. Biggest one, I think, for me was uh, Frog Thor. Throg. Yeah! Trapped I in had a to... jar. <laughs> Buried. <laughs> he's not gonna make it. I had to rewind a couple times because I was like, what is this? What is happening? But Yeah, it, it goes cute. by a little fast, but... We got, like, helicarriers in the background. We got Ronin's ship, I think, from Guardians. Yeah, or Thanos' ship, maybe, because Ronin oh, yeah. and Thanos' ship look the same. Yeah, I know they're, they're, they're like don't, the same. but they're the same. Just, like, very angular, blocky stuff. What, yeah. One that I really appreciated that... Uh, maybe it's because I watched it so recently, but Yellow Jacket's helmet from Ant-Man is out there. Yeah, and it's huge. So there's a universe where Yellow Jacket becomes Giant Man. That's awesome to me. I, I'm into that. Oh, I read like a whole list of like 15 of them. There's, there's the infamous Thanos helicopter. Oh yeah, the Thanos helicopter. That, that made me laugh. That was great. Oh, man. Assorted rocks cart merchandise, rocks on merchandise. Rocks wine. I thought yeah. that was fun. Polybius, the the cult video game, or yeah. the urban legend video game. I the guess urban legend say. video game, which that to me it makes me feel more like Loki trickery. I mean, a lot of that stuff wasn't even related to Loki at all, but I feel like that you know, what What trickster person wouldn't put a video game out there that's, like, torturing its players? Like, that sounds fun. <laughs> oh, there's, like, a UFO, but it's just, like, a generic UFO. Oh, yeah, there's just a UFO out there. That's fun. I read that they had Chris Hemsworth come in yeah. and record Frog Thor. That's amazing. I that I That is perfect. I feel like Thor has to show up in this at some point. I would love to see, like, a... I don't know, a big group of Lokis meet a big group of variant Thors. I thought that'd be fun. Well, I like the idea that the Lokis are both, like, the most pruned beings in existence, but also, the, like, the only beings that are able to survive the <laughs> yeah the wasteland. Yeah, that is pretty nice. Kid Loki also seems to be, like, in charge. We got Mobius in the Pizza Planet truck. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I thought, too. <laughs> Yeah, Mobius is out there to pick up Sylvie when she prunes herself after being betrayed by Miss Minutes and <laughs> Renslayer. The messed up thing is, she was the one who brought up that fake ship, right? <laughs> yeah. She was, she was yeah, covering for Renslayer. Oh, that ass. I hate it. She she was the real one until then. Like I said, Seamus, Miss Minutes sus, Miss Minutes faking task. That's all I'm Literally, saying. she was faking her task of finding the files on this ship. 
Oh, that's so, so rude. But yeah, Miss Minutes and Renslayer try to trick Sylvie into like, I don't know, waiting long enough to get pruned by a group of guards. Oh, wait, because she makes her an offer where she's like, I could put you in a memory, a nice memory. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Sylvie's like, I've only got one nice memory. And we're all like, ooh. Uh, ooh, from the audience, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're in an episode of WandaVision. The scene where she arrives and is about to be consumed by the giant cloud monster. I thought superheroes, you know, I think we were we were finally past sky beams, and I thought we were past giant cloud monsters. Apparently oh, not. They had to hit us with that James and the giant peach, you know, just the. <laughs> <laughs> evil dark cloud it looked like a dragon face like they're really just yeah. hitting all the classic evil imagery i really liked the scene where mobius comes out with it is little pizza car pizza delivery car <laughs> what is he been doing out there where did he get that car <laughs> that's the marvel one shot i want is mobius waking <laughs> up in the wasteland oh the- yeah like, oh, wow, the only thing I have is this pizza car? Come on, man! After that, though, is where we get into some of the filler, definitely, of this episode, where it's just like, there's like a Loki civil war. You didn't like that? You didn't like President Loki getting his arm chewed off? I, I mean, or it's like... not that it wasn't entertaining or funny, but it wasn't driving the plot forward, really, in any meaningful way. I mean, there was a great, great monologue about classic Loki, Richard E. Grant, giving him, like, a, the reason I'm so old is because I just, like, locked myself away. I was alone for my whole life because I just couldn't risk being with anybody else. I couldn't trust it. It was, it was a little bit of good insight on that. I do like the scene where Owen Wilson's having, like, a weird existential, like, what if that alligator's just lying and it's not really a Loki? I don't know about any <laughs> alligator Lokis. But then again, lying about being Loki is the most Loki thing you can do. I love that part too, man. I I was also hoping we'd get flashbacks to all these different Lokis getting pruned in their timeline so I could see, like, Alligator Loki fighting with Alligator Thor while Alligator Odin has, like, a little alligator eye patch in the background. I was kind of assuming that he was from the same reality as Frog Thor. Oh, is that, like, from the same uh, comic? It, is in them... the comic, no. But, again, the MCU's happy to tweak whatever they're happy to tweak for their own purposes. Honestly, I didn't even put that together, but that I'll take that. They're both animals. They're both amphibians. That makes sense. Wait, alligator's an amphibian, right? I won't commit either way, Seamus, because <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. I'll, hey, I'll be the stupid one. That's my MO. <laughs> I'm playing both sides. So that way I always come out on top. <laughs> Uh, often a very Loki thing to do. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, right? Oh, um, man. But one of my favorite parts of this uh, episode five was classic Loki's sorcery recreation of Asgard. I thought that was incredibly touching and, like, very badass, if I'm being honest. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. Like and the Richard- slowed down Flight of the Valkyries implemented into the score at the time is just like, is it, it was like the definition of like epic. It was like awesome. I love the decision to bring Richard E. Grant in because he brings so much gravitas to oh, yeah. that moment. Like, not that, I mean, I wasn't sad like I was when Mobius got pruned or anything like that, but 
I definitely had this feeling of like this is important and I actually care that this character is dying and sacrificing himself. Like he's a character that we pretty much met this episode. But I absolutely know what you mean. Like we met him on that episode. He gives us his really like genuinely painful backstory. Classic Loki's the only one that kind of has that full arc of like he's hiding his whole life. He's pruned and has to like survive underground for longer just kind of being that more cowardly Loki. And then he gets his epic moment of redemption, like, all in one episode by, like, recreating the golden palaces and complete city of Asgard and sacrificing himself for, I mean, himself, but also, like, somebody that he personally isn't. It's almost like our Loki's arc in miniature. I really don't want to do this, but, like, (laughs) I do think about Rick and Morty a little bit when I watch this show sometimes of like, if you're in this universe where you can have all of these different versions of the same character, it allows you this kind of storytelling shorthand that can make smaller stories more impactful because you know so much about those characters already. Yeah, dude, I 100% know what you mean. That's that's a great way to put it. And, you know, that's going to be the glory of this like multiverse era of Marvel that were very obviously runwaying into with all of these shows and these new movies coming out. So as impactful as it was to hear classic Loki scream glorious purpose as he's like happily sacrificing himself for somebody else, that's I if they can hit that that well every time, that kind of character and moment, I'm I'm gonna be very happy going forward. Obviously, our variant Loki is going. I mean, he's witnessing all of himself finding out these things about himself every time. And it's just, it's building him into somebody very interesting. It really is circling back to also, like, free will. That Lokis always lose. Lokis are only self-serving. And that given this time beyond time, that no, they are able to break free of the, the mold that... I don't want to say society because it's not society, it's the TVA, but, you know, on the meta-narrative, it is society has right. forced them into, has dismissed them. Let's burn it down, baby. <laughs> yeah, man. Mobius. Mobius is on the warpath. Obviously, Hunter B-15 is back at the TVA in, like, a prison cell. She wants that vengeance. Multiple Lokis are coming in hot. You know, they've got a clear shot to the layer of the leader of the TVA, and, I mean, who who do you think it's going to be, man? The popular theory is Kang, which... That's what I've been hearing, too. I'm sure that's on the table. I'm not going to dismiss that at all. I think it looks like Victor Von Doom's castle from the oh, comics. Oh, that would be incredible. Ultimately, the most satisfying thing for it to be is going to be a character we already know. I would guess from the show, it could potentially not be from the show. I don't know if that's necessarily the choice that Loki's going to make, that, like, the series is going to make. But, I mean, I could definitely see it being Miss Minutes. I'm not really kidding about that. Um, I, I think that would be, like, the best. That would be my favorite shocking reveal of all if it was Miss Minutes. That's literally also on my list of guesses, but it's lower down in the probability, sadly. I mean, I don't really mean Miss Minutes as in, like, I don't think the clock is sitting there with an evil mustache. I think it's more like... 
Oh, um, yeah, me me neither. That's what I meant, too. I wasn't, yeah. I like this idea of, like, again, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. If there's somebody controlling this minute, it potentially, I think that could be interesting. Two other people I think it could be are Variant Loki. I think it's definitely, like, on the table. Like, our Variant Loki? Or just no, a just like variant, a Loki. variant Loki. Yeah, sure. Although, I mean, potentially, I guess it could be our Variant Loki. Who knows? Like... Like a weird time travel looper situation. It very well could be Sylvie in my mind, and that that was it's like my a last future, one. yeah, future version of Sylvie that is kind of trying to orchestrate her rise to power by maybe ruining her own life as a child and taking her as a variant and building this timeline out. I do suspect in this next episode we're gonna get a kind of haunted house, like. What if you went into a house that was like what Scarlet Witch can do to you in Age of Ultron? Oh, yeah. Pull things from your life, from time, from the multiverse to show you this warped version of your reality. I cannot wait for that. If if that's where we're going, I'm going to be very into it. I think most likely scenario is, for me, it's a character we already know, and then in the post-credits they set up that that character was in cahoots with something like a Kang. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for the last finale, the, the finale here. I'm still not convinced that Owen Wilson is safe, so I'm going to be holding my breath the whole time. Well, I'm excited to talk about the finale next week with you, Shamus. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. This week's pop culture reference is Polybius. Legends of a mysterious arcade cabinet appearing across the video arcade scene of Portland, Oregon started around 1981. Rumors of this game included players lining up eagerly in an addictive state, unable to stop thinking about the game. It was said to give these players dark thoughts, paranoia, nightmares, and suicidal thoughts. Supposed eyewitness reports of the men in black coming to arcades with the machines to collect some sort of unknown data from them have circulated, furthering the widely accepted links between Polybius and a sanctioned U.S. government experiment. The game was supposedly manufactured by the fictitious Sinislosion, which is built from the German words for sensory and deletion. The actual stories of this legendary video game are highly debated on their validity, and many investigations into the origins of the game have come up without a definitive answer to if the game even existed. The name is a reference to a classical Greek historian, Polybius, who asserted that historians should never report on stories that they could not confirm from eyewitnesses. Polybius also hailed from the Greek region, of Arcadia. So all of that seems to point to a self-aware creation of, you know, this name and mythos. It is possible the legend is derived from the arcade cabinet Polyplay, which was released in 1985 by the East German company VEB Polytechnic. The cabinet featured a variety of games and a logo in a font very similar to the supposed Polybius cabinet's logo. The game's similarities being produced by a German company, released in a similar time period, and sharing a similar font, might have produced enough of a Mandela effect to help further stoke the urban legend. Though largely debunked, the legend continues to spark the imaginations of creators today. Multiple games carrying the name have been released for platforms such as PC and PlayStation 4, emulating and updating the supposed gameplay of the original arcade cabinet. The game is also frequently seen in film and TV, popping up on series such as The Simpsons, The Goldbergs, and most recently, Loki. Somehow, though, it has not appeared in Stranger Things yet. It can also be seen in a few cabinets down from the Fix-It Felix cabinet in Wreck-It Ralph. 
An in-depth history of the game was featured in an over hour-long video on YouTube from the channel Ahoy, which has now garnered almost 6 million views. If you're looking for a better in-depth analysis of the game's history and historical impact, or the legend of the game at the very least, definitely go check that out. Yeah, man, back in my big, like, creepypasta phase when I was, like, a young teenager, this one definitely was so so interesting to me and i hope it's there's got some truth to it in a way that's just like that would be creepy and crazy but seeing it in something like loki uh for this latest episode when they're in their little bunker dungeon you know i i like to see the the references keep on especially if we can like maybe pin it on some cool marvel stuff maybe loki is screwing with people in portland in the 80s the first recorded evidence of Polybius, like the first recorded mention, I guess I should say, was on internet forums in the late 90s. So I do wonder, Seamus, like, is Polybius the first creepypasta? Oh, maybe. Yeah, that, that would definitely make it, like, a very early form of it, for sure, if it's just, like, people way more comfortable lying like that on the internet in the 90s, because nobody could ever know if it's real or not, and to this day, we really don't. Most major organizations that have looked into it have pretty much debunked it. I really do think that probably this is a case of somebody intentionally crafting this narrative, trying to make it feel spooky, and intentionally or not, having it hit close enough to this real-life polyplay cabinet that enough other people are like, oh yeah, I remember that arcade cabinet in in my arcade. I think it has to be manufactured probably but amplified by again that polyplay cabinet kind of bolstering people's memories you know that's probably the most logical explanation but if it was real this is exactly what we would have been brainwashed to say though (laughs) if we we've all me and you have both played it and we don't remember because we've been brainwashed to be like of course it doesn't exist guys government's trustworthy it's okay are Seamus and I brainwashed? Does Plebeus really exist? Please tweet <laughs> us, email us, let us know. Please, please. Leave a comment down below telling us how we are uh, fools and sheeple. But let's move on to Save the Rec Center. Now it's time to Save the Rec Center, where we bring you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, are you are you locked and loaded? Do you want me to go first? No, I'm locked and loaded, man. I can, I can hit you with it. I have watched three full seasons of the Jersey Shore for the first time ever. And it is the maybe best thing I've ever seen in my whole life. It is it's incredible, Garrett. I don't know if you got up to watching that like back in the day when it was actually on. I was going to say, dude, you're only 15 years too late. Yeah, I like when it was out, like when it was coming out, I was like, oh, this is so stupid. It sounds like moronic. Like I wouldn't get any enjoyment out of that. But it's like... It's like high art to me now, man. It's so fascinating how these monsters live their lives. Like, some of them are genuinely good people and, like, like 100% like actually nice and respectful, but they, like, are encased in this, like, orange, tall-haired, spray-tan, like, prison. It's wild to see. Peak reality TV for me, just almost exploitative of these people but they are all like super happy to be there and to like express their trashy selves it's 
truly fascinating, and I couldn't recommend it to you more, man. I have truly no patience for reality TV. I don't I think... used to not, dude. I used to be exactly like you, and then, like, the Gordon Ramsay shows kind of, like, made me put my toe in the water, and now I'm just, like, the trashier the better, because it's just <laughs> fascinating. My taste is already shot, man. I started this episode defending the Mark Wahlberg Transformers movies, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I think oh, my credibility's man. gone at this point. Alright, what do you got this week, man? What if I told you that there was a movie that you could watch from 2021 that had David Harbour, Benicio Del Toro, Don Cheadle, and Brendan Fraser? A live-action movie? Yes. What? I would tell you that I thought you were maybe lying, because that sounds like I would know about it already. What if I told you it was directed by Steven Soderbergh and streaming on HBO Max right now? I would tell you that I think you're a liar again, unless it came out, like, today as of recording, and I have no idea. What the it's hell is this? It's been out for at least a week, Seamus. Oh! No sudden move. Oh, also Kieran no. Culkin's in it. No sudden move? I haven't no even heard of this. No sudden move. It's the new Steven Soderbergh crime thriller set in the 1950s. Got a colorful cast of characters. The leads are Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. I strongly recommend. That sounds incredible. You said it was on HBO, right? It's on HBO Max right now. Go watch it. You could have just said Brendan Fraser and you would have sold me, but that sounds like the perfect cocktail right there. I mean, that's 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 awesome. Well, next week, Seamus, we're going to be talking about the Loki finale. I can't wait. Oh, we're going to have a lot to say, I think. It's going to be it's going to be a powerhouse episode for sure. And hopefully you will have watched No Sudden Move. So, I'm, we'll get I'm to, we'll you, get to I, check in on that. I guarantee it'll be watched, I swear. All right, but I think that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Leave a YouTube comment. Like. Subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening that way. We're on a bunch of new platforms now. As of late, we're on Google Podcasts. We're on Pandora. But until then, uh, we'll see you next week. Adios, amigos!